Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. Hi, I'm Gareth A. Davies and welcome to the Fight Night podcast for Talk Sport. What a show we had this week. Spencer Oliver joining me in the studio. First up was Vidal Riley telling us about his next fight on the undercard of Amir Khan and Cal Brook early in 2022. We're still celebrating Christmas. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of people have been saying that. You, you get no Christmas now. I said, of course, I'll still get a Christmas. Of I'll still be ready. And of course, it's your home debut on this boxer card on Sky Sports. It's your home debut. I know, I know. I'm actually, I'm really excited. You know, I've had four professional fights so far, but to actually come back to where it all began and where I, you know, won my amateur titles and, you know, built a reputation within the boxing world, I'm glad I'm, I'm here and I'll be able to put on a show for everyone. Yeah, I mean, you had a great amateur career, didn't you? West Ham Boxing Club, you know, you won numerous, yeah. numerous. I think it was eight amateur um, national titles. Yeah. You also went on to win a silver medal in the European Juniors. I mean, great amateur career. You turned professional, but you turned professional over in the States. Now, so that's yeah. why a lot of people, a lot of the boxing fans may not have seen you box as a professional yet. You turned pro with Mayweather's, right? And you, you, you boxed yeah. over Excuse in me, the say States. That, say that clearly. You turned pro with Floyd Mayweather Jr. No, no, did I say yeah. Floyd Mayweather Jr.? You said Mayweather's. Oh, yeah, turned pro with the Mayweathers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. T- yeah, t- yeah. T- talk to us about that. I mean, I think that's fascinating. I thought he was going to no, say No, you know, it was, it, was, it was an opportunity that... This is something I never thought would ever come up, but, you know, I went out to Vegas, um, went there with KSI, actually, and then um, had a few sparring sessions, and then Jeff Mayweather said... I think I could work with you. Like I feel like you could be a good pro. And I, I didn't have any intentions of turning pro at the time. But then it made sense. You know, it was something new. It was, it was something to try. And at least I can say, you know, I, I turned over in America under, you know, Jeff Mayweather as my head coach, Floyd Mayweather as my promoter. And I learned so much, but nothing beats being home in the UK and delivering for the fans here. And I'm glad I'm finally going to do that. 
On, on that note, do you understand yeah. then, when Jake Paul spoke to me last week for the show, and obviously he fights Tyron Woodley tonight, and obviously we were with you when KSI fought, fought Logan Paul. It was an amazing week in Los Angeles, wasn't it, Vidal? Oh, that, great, great, um, great week, great week. Do, do you understand why someone like Jake Paul and his brother Logan Paul have got addicted to boxing and want to be involved? Because for the yeah. very things you were talking about just then. Yeah, no, I know I do. I see it's a sport, as we say, it's, it's open. There's not one governing body that that controls the sport. So there's there's room for you to build your build your business, as Jake has done. He's got his own promotional company. He's got the funds. He's got the team to put these events on. And as much as the YouTubers make a ton of money uploading, the, it takes a long time to accumulate that money compared to having a camp and getting in the ring. So I can see why the guys are like, no, this boxing thing can work. But you know how boxing is. Once you, you fight the right person, get hit with the right shot, you start contemplating if it's even for you anymore. <laughs> so listen, I know, I know the YouTubers have taken a lot of stick and they take a lot of stick off the boxing, the, you know, the general boxing public yeah. because, you know, they've come into the boxing world and they're making a colossal amount of money, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I know that you chained KSI for the Joe Weller fight and also for the Logan mm -hmm. Paul fight. So you would know what sort of work that he put in. I know what sort of work Jake Jake Paul puts in as well. They put in a phenomenal amount they of work, and, and they, they, they they've improved immensely. I mean, I, I don't think they get enough credit, if I'm honest. Nah, they don't. They definitely don't get enough credit because I feel like people are only watching on the night. They're not realizing that they do go through a camp. I know I put KSI through a camp as if he was fighting for a world title, and we've seen with Jake as well that he dedicates himself too. So these guys, they didn't get to where they are in life by not being able to work hard and dedicate themselves this is what people don't understand it's not easy to do what they do so they're transferring that same work ethic over into the sport of boxing you've got to cut the guys some slack and give them a break let them do their thing well, you have similarities as well. Obviously, you're a successful artist and musician outside uh, the square circle. You releasing yeah. uh, releasing some Christmas music for us or not? So there won't be any there won't be any Christmas music. I believe I should throw hands again before I decide to release a song. So <laughs> there won't be any. I like that. <laughs> there won't be any um, music release until after February nineteenth and after a great win. Yeah, so so you know, give us give us the roadmap, Vidal, for the next you know sort of twelve months or so. Are you now putting all your energy into the boxing? Because we know that you know you've got you've got a big career outside mm -hmm. of boxing as well. I mean, tell us a little bit about that. What what's the focus well, on the boxing now? The focus the focus is definitely boxing, and there's always been boxing. You know, it's just been injuries, pandemic, little things, outside factors that have kept me from being in the ring. But I'm I'm fresh. I'm ready to go. I plan to be active. Um, next year I want to have at least four fights next year I'm in a position too as well with, with Boxer and Sky looking after me now I'm sure I'll be active and it's not to also neglect the brand that I've been building in the meantime it's to maintain that too but we need a team so you know I've, I've managed to put people in place who can keep the YouTube channel going keep the music going keep the podcast going and just decide things that will build as the results in, in the ring come with it sure, so I mean, you're I'm really excited you're an incredibly talented boxer, you know, and not a lot of people would have seen that side of you yet, like you thank say, because you, you've been be plagued with a few, yeah, been plagued with a few injuries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I know a lot of your peers, you know, world class fighters like Lawrence Acoli and, and people like that yes. have said, you know, that you're one of the best fighters actually they've shared a ring with. So that's that's high praise. So we're looking Big forward, really looking forward to 2022 and seeing you make your mark in the sport, mate. Really, am it's going to be an exciting year, I'm you know, excited. with boxers, Sky Sports, etc. I'm very excited. Honestly, it's just 
the whole YouTube thing and, you know, having a life outside of boxing, people get this illusion. I'm not really taking it seriously or I'm too preoccupied doing other things next year. By the end of next year, next Christmas, get me on Talk Sport next Christmas and let's see how everyone feels about me um, in terms of boxing. Only, only if you give us a Christmas song next year. Though. We want a Christmas song, mate. Uh, you know, I, want, I might, I might, I might. Just a little talk sport one. One for talk sport, that's all. One for talk sport. If you get me on, I'll write a little, write a little verse. <laughs> how about, how about we, how about Brilliant. we grime up that Slade song right now, the three Ooh. of us? Can we grime Whoa. it up? Can we grime it up? Whoa. Sheriff, you're always throwing these things. Whoa, like, you're yeah. always... <laughs> do you know, do you know what? That's the biggest curveball I could ever have thrown. Listen. Oh, here we go. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Vinel, you can see him in the studio now, mate. You just need to see him. The neck's going, the arms are going. Wow. Good. That's the energy. That's the spirit. He's got the energy. He's certainly got that. Fascinating stuff there from Vidal Riley. Well, Frank Warren joined us next. Yes, in his nightgown, being wee Willy Winky. Take a listen to this. There's talks going on, but it's very difficult because the WBC haven't determine what the split will be. So you're negotiating from a, a stance in as much that uh, Dillian thinks he's going to get a bigger percentage than we feel that he'll get. So that's a bit of a problem. And the arbitration, I understand, is not going to be until March. So that's the position we're in. So are you still going ahead? I've heard you say in the last few days that Cardiff is the likely venue and March sometime is the likely date. Well, I mean, if the deal can be done, um, in the meantime, Tyson wants to fight in March. So lots of things are happening at the moment. And we're, uh, I'm quite sure in the next, uh, hopefully next week before Christmas, we'll be in a position to say what Tyson's plans are. Let, let, let's just say that you can't agree a purse split. Um, will the WBC eventually intervene then and it will go to purse bids? Surely we don't want no, a bidding just told, I've just told you what's happening. In March, there'll be an arbitration, and at the arbitration, they'll determine, number one, whether he's actually is the mandatory, and number two, what the purse splits will be. Nothing to do with the WBC now. It's out of their hands. They had a legal case going on with him. That's, that's where they're at. So does that, from what you're saying, though, it delays everything? Well, of course it does. That's what I've just said to you. So we've got to look at the position and look at Tyson's position uh, and see where we go with this. Who who uh, else is there out there if it doesn't... Well, we're not going to get into that because uh, we, yeah. we, you know, it's not, not, not appropriate at the moment. OK. Frank, was there any rumours, uh, any truth in the rumours, sorry, about the 80-20 split that was supposed to have been offered to Dillian White and Tyson Fury? Is, is, that, is there any truth in that? Well, yeah, well, that's really what, the, what normally happens is the, the purses are determined by what by the previous purses that a lodge would have you know the relevant organization in the case of uh dillian's last fight at the wbc he 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 lodged a purse of three hundred thousand, so that's far far less than tyson got so you know that that normal circumstances it'd be an 80 20 split right but, but but to the fans out there who are desperate to see Tyson Fury's next fight and defend the WBC title. It's a very complex business at this level, 
Um, when there's huge money at stake, when there's a massive stadium, potentially it's going to go ahead in. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very difficult... I know you'd said to me earlier, you'd love to have got this over the line before we went into Christmas, but obviously it's not going to be the case. Well, it doesn't look like it at the moment. You know, uh, the whole thing, the whole year's been a, a pain as far as organisations and trying to get things done. I mean, the, the fight everybody wanted to see that we just couldn't do because of... Uh, governing body uh, because of a yet another arbitration was the uh, AJ, AJ fighting Tyson that weren't to be Usyk one then we wanted to get Usyk in with Tyson uh, for AJ to step aside um, you know and then the WBC said that uh, Dillian is uh, you know that fight we've got to negotiate so it's been uh, it's, it's things all the way get, get all along getting in the way of the fights really the best fights that we'd like to see which is the two champions unifying it um, but who knows? I mean, there's still lots of talks going on. So hopefully the dust has settled soon and we can, um, we can, we can announce something. So what is the hold-up at the moment, Frank? Is it, is it just the fact that, that Dillian White's team have not accepted the 20%? No, the hold-up is that there is an arbitration to determine what his percentage will be unless he wants to accept you know, the terms that we've offered him. Well, wow. okay, let's move on because we're not going to, you know, we, we are where we are and it is what it is at the moment. It's uh, it's a shame it can't be done before Christmas. Um, Joe Joyce was about to have a press conference uh, in the coming week, but apparently he's injured. What's the injury, Frank, and, and how long does that delay him in your view? Uh, well, we're absolutely gutted because he was lined up to fight on, Feb- in, on uh, February the 12th. He's uh, fractured his, ar- his wrist, sorry, his wrist. He's fractured his wrist, so he can't even... You know, forget about fighting. He's in plaster at the moment, so he's going to be out uh, for a while whilst that heals. So it's a very, very disappointing from his perspective, and obviously from from us, we had a really good fight lined up for him. So uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll again, he won't be out now. Should I think for a good a good five months before. Uh, wow. That's yeah. a long break. Uh, Spencer and I were ruminating before you came on air who it might have been. Are you going to reveal who it was going to be? No, not really, because it, you know, it's irrelevant. <laughs> Come on, Frank, it's Christmas. Give us a, give well, us a little, give us a little gift. Oh, uh, it was Father Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Father Christmas making a lot of appearance on the show tonight. Um, yeah. and then, <laughs> maybe it was Victor. Maybe it was uh, Louis Ortiz then, because uh, that's who yeah. I'm. Imagining it was. No, he's older than Father Christmas. Exactly, Louis but he's Ortiz. older than Father Christmas. Thank you for that line. Um, yeah. Look, um, the. Um, David Avenesian is with you now. We're fascinated by that. Is there any chance of getting him in with Conor Ben? Well, we'll make that in a heartbeat, and that can go on on a matchroom show. That's how much I'd like to make the fight. Um, or as I mentioned in the week, to uh, uh, I think we, we, you know, on one of the um, one of the uh, internet shows that we did, I said that you know, other than that, matchroom put you know between us. Let's just do two sealed bids, and the winner gets it. Mm-hmm. I saw Eddie actually. He done an in- interview in the week as well, and he was looking more at going down the road of someone like Adrian Broner or, or Sean Porter or someone like that. When he when well, David Avenesian was mentioned to him, it was something that he didn't quite fancy. I don't think Frank. I think uh, well, he thought it was high risk, low reward. Well, I don't know about that. We'd be willing to pay a lot of money for that fight. Um, the other side of it is is that. Um, was it before Connor's last fight? He actually said he only he needed one fight, and then they would go with it. Well, he's had the fight; he's just had a good win, so it's there to be done. But he doesn't want it, and he doesn't. And I've got to be honest: if I was in his position, I wouldn't want it. 
Frank, um, while we're on the heavyweights, uh, I meant to ask you, um, what, what's it looking like in the new year for Daniel Dubois? Are you lining him up for another fight? Yeah, he'll fight. He'll fight. Um, he'll fight in the uh, in, in the first quarter. Yeah, and uh, we're quite down the road with towards announcing his fight, and I'm hoping we can do it next week. Oh, good. Oh, brilliant. So, could that replace the the, the night that Joe Joyce was going to fight well, on? Well, we was hoping to do a big show, but we're, mm. we're working on it at the moment. It's all, you know, like, unfortunately what happened with Joe is put a bit of a spanner in the works. But anyway, we're working on it and we'll announce his, his fight next week. I, I know you were running around the garden when we first got hold of you, trying to get... What, what, what's the dog? What's what's the, the, pet, the, 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 the breed of the dog again? It's There's... called a Parsons Plumber. Right, right. <laughs> are, are you sitting down now while, while I ask you this one? Are you back in the no, house I'm, and sitting I'm looking, down? I'm looking for him. Looking <laughs> he's, for him. he's out in the woods. He's, he's looking for Listen, if I can find a... My doodars off. What's the <laughs> Are you running... I'm starting to get a bad vision in my head, I, I, Frank. No, I've, 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 I've got a picture of you in pyjamas and slippers running around the garden in your... What is it? 16th century... You've got it wrong. It's a nice shirt. Like wee willy willy... That's me. Well, I don't know about we. With a, with a lit candle. I don't know about we. Don't know about we. <laughs> well, so, like this, I hope you find the Parsons. Mind you, it, mind you, it's a bit cold out. <laughs> we will. I suggest you, put, you get in and put some heat on that, Frank. Go, go and steady yourself on a radiator while I ask. I might, I might get myself a bread poultice. Go rest. Please go rest on a radiator while I ask. Oh, my God. Don't worry about that. Right. I'm going to... Oh, dear. We were there with you at the Copper Box the other night. There's been a lot of kerfuffle over Hamza Shiraz and Bradley Skeet. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. What 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 what's your view on it now? A couple of weeks later, well, I was I was right in ringside. I could hear exactly what the referee said, and he look, he caught him with a good shot. He went down. He hit him twice on the way down, and then hit him whilst he was on the floor. The you know, momentum, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the referee Steve Gray asked him at the time, "Did he want to continue?" I could hear what he was saying. Do you want to continue? And he got up. So. He got up, therefore, and he, t- he deducted a point from Hansa, yeah. quite rightly so, and allowed the fight to go on. Um, Bradley was in front in the fight. I think that Hamza was getting to him, I think, although I weren't too happy with what he was doing, where he was sort of, clo- you know, sort of ch- um, just basically uh, close, trying to close him down, but not throwing enough shots. But when he did let his shots go, he was hurting. He, he hurt him, and obviously he knocks him down. Um, and that was it. Um, I was on the show with uh, Simon Jordan and Jim White. Simon made a, comp- you know, said this. It was all for the border control should have done something. Well, first of all, it weren't the board's title. It was a WBO title. And all they could do is recommend to the uh, WBO what should have been done. Mm. But the fact is, Steve made Steve Gray, the referee, made his decision, and that's it. Subse- and, the- and subsequently, Hamza. Um, said he wanted he would give him a rematch and you know apologise he would give him a rematch let's get it on we made him three offers in writing and uh, you know Brad has not come back he doesn't you know he obviously basically doesn't want the fight so that's it we can only try yeah. and we can only try and put it right from that perspective my opinion I think he would have gone on to stop Bradley I think it, as I say hurt him 
Um, and, you know, they've all moaned about the referee. I think the re- what the referee did was correct in the in the fact that he got up and, and wanted to continue to fight. So he, he penalised Hamza. And I think, you know, I think it was Steve in the first fight with Tyson, wasn't it? He gave it a draw, if mm. I remember rightly. So, you know, some days you're happy what the referee days does and some days you're not. I, I spoke to um, I spoke to Bradley Skeet actually about the situation, Frank, and he was saying that he's, he said he wanted the rematch, but the problem that it was, he's got a 28-day ban from, from the last fight, and the rematch that was offered to him was on February the 12th, I believe it was, or something. He said he wouldn't have enough time physically or mentally to get into shape for that rematch. He, he, he wanted the rematch put back to a sort of April sort of time. Well, April is Ramadan, and uh, unfortunately, Hamza can't fight in uh, over, over Ramadan because obviously he's a Muslim. Um, maybe what we might be able to do is maybe that the fact this 19th of February show uh, is is looking because of uh, uh, Joe being injured, it, we may push it back. So who knows? We'll see what, see what happens on Monday. If he wants to fight in in uh, in March, then we get it on. So we'll get it on before Ramadan. Frank, as always, and for the entire year, thank you so much for all your time and uh, for being with us in the show and a friend of the show. We appreciate you very much and make sure you keep it all warm when you yeah, come back please, inside. Yeah, please get back in near that radiator, Frank. I, I will, mate, and let's wish, wish you all a, a Merry Christmas and a healthy... Uh, happy, healthy and, and a, uh, a safe new year and uh, it's a pleasure as always working with you guys with Talk Sport and, uh, and I'm glad everything we do is in the best possible taste Very interesting stuff from Frank there on Tyson Fury and all his other heavyweights uh, not to mention his welterweight David Avenesian. Well next up we heard from father and son duo I had caught up with Nigel Ben and Conor Ben after Conor Ben's victory over Chris Algieri. Here's what father and son had to typically say together in rumbustious style. If they offered me the Ugas fight tomorrow, I'd take it. Um, I know what I'm capable of in the gym and it's forever evolving. Um, I wasn't surprised when the stoppage come with Algieri. Um, you know, I said before the fight, I planned on making this fight look exactly like the fight it was supposed to be. And I did just that. Your father fought Doug DeVitt and then Iran Barkley in his 27th and 28th fights. Obviously, Doug DeWitt was in America and went over and he won the world title. Is it fair to say you're probably a year and a half away from fighting for the world title, maybe around 26, 27 fights? No, not at all, mate. Um, we're coming in the next two fights. As I said, if they offered me the Ugas fight tomorrow, I'd take it. I reckon have one fight, one more fight, um, as Ugas has his mandatory, um, I believe. Um, so I'd have one more fight early part of next year. And then, and then you know, bring in the world title. I've defended my WA Continental six times now. So, you know, it's only right that they um, they might be mandatory for that. Do you do you feel it will be like a Broner next in the United States? I was trying to make the analogy as well that maybe you'll go to the States next. I believe Eddie is making the Broner fight. So I'll leave that to them. At the end of the day, my job is to get in there and beat the geezer up in the other corner. So whoever they put in front of me, whoever they line up, I'll take out. Do you, do you think if it is Broner, it's your toughest fight so far? They're all supposed to be tough. 
Um, they're all supposed to be tough, Gareth. Um, they are all tough fights. Mm, mm. Um, so, yeah, you can say that, but who knows? You will find out when we get in there on the night. Each fight at this level is a hard fight. Yeah, no, I was looking at the... I was. I think you're seven with the WBC, and I was looking at the, the six... I'm five. I think I'm oh, you're five, five now, are you? Yeah. Well, I was looking at... WBC, five with the WBA... Hmm. Seven with a W uh, IBF. Um, I think I'm roughly, you know, under ten in the WBO. Hmm. So, and that was before this fight. So I'm, I take it I'm like top three in um, quite a few of them bodies. Yeah, because the fights now, like you say, they're all they're they're all incredibly tough fights. They're all fights where they're either pickums or you'll be underdog. Um, you know, with with the likes of um, Avenician, um, Yaron Ennis, all these guys, um, Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman, um, Mikey Garcia. Are these all fights that you want as well? You Because there's so many great opponents in the I'd world. Relish, you just mentioned Danny Garcia and Mikey Garcia. I'd relish both of them fights. Um, the Jaron Ennis's, the Avenicians, um, I'd like to fight for a world title. Um, if they get to a world title before me, perfect. I'll fight them for a world title. But I think the Danny Garcia, Mikey Garcia are fights I'd take next. And, Mike, and that's without the world title, of course. But I think the Jaron Ennis, um, you know, young, hungry line like myself, um, Avanesian, um, you know, I'd fight them for, for a world title. Um, and there's one other guy on there, and we've talked about him, you and I, for the last two years almost, Virgil Ortiz. That's He's a super fight, isn't it? Is the top of the pile for me in the States. He's future pound for pound. I, you know, I rate him. Um, and, you know, that, that's a potentially massive, massive fight. Tell me what goes on. Also, your dad, with dad, with Victoria and your child. And what goes on for you in, in the days after a fight? Um, does a different aspect of you emerge? I mean, do you pray? Do you... Do, do you do you do you calm down the the training the with the adrenaline gone and the fight over what happens? Pray all the time. The prayer isn't just something that um, you know. I pray all the time um, when I'm in camp. When I'm out camp, it's not prayer. Isn't based on what's going on in my life. Prayer is just you know a key fundamental in my life that keeps me stable. Um, but apart from that, I no. I was in, back in the gym Monday. I trained twice on Monday. So I fought on Saturday, yeah. Then I got up early, went for a um, five-mile run with Tony. And then I'd done some weights. And then I'd done some more weights in the evening. And then Tuesday, yesterday, um, I... Did I do, what, what did I train did I do yesterday? I've done a run in the morning. Yeah, then you... then I've done some strength in the evening. And today I've just run um, and done a little bit of weights again. So... I keep I keep training because it keeps me my mind healthy. It keeps me um, sane, so to speak, and um, nothing nothing much changes. Because I know when I don't train, I can go a little bit squee whiffy. Yeah, that's, that's a swear word, isn't it? I can hear your dad in the background. Yeah, swearing, dad. Don't, don't, bubble, don't let no one hold some word. Proceed pull from your mouth. Clear. It's not edifying for the word of the Lord. Ski with. That's what I said. <laughs> have you, having beaten him on Good Morning Britain, have you bought him a punch bag for Christmas? <laughs> oh. <Yeah. laughs> now I've put some weight back on. 
you know, I, I definitely do. You, anyway. no, you, you had to take a second shot. Mate, I missed the... Mate, I'm fighting, I'm fighting. You to, you to, you yeah, but I'm, I'm fighting, so I have to be careful with these hands. No, well, so, why, why'd you do it a second time, then? Well, because I knew where I could hit it. <laughs> I knew which time there I could hit it. So, Gareth, don't start this, mate. I know what you're doing. Yeah, it was a draw in the end, though, wasn't it? It was a draw, wasn't it? I'm giving away, like, three stone, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Can we have dad in? Can we have dad in with you? Because I think, I mean, you know. Hey, wait, dad, move them, move the, the biscuits you got in there. <laughs> the big box of biscuits. Very good. Um, so, so, hi, Nigel. Hey, doing, buddy. Um, so I watched this thing on Good Morning Britain. Can I ask you, first of all, I mean, we, we, we saw you on Saturday night. Um, climbing to the ring, you know, obviously you were you're beside yourself with joy for for Connor for your son. Um, are you proud and pleased with the way he's progressing with each fight? Hundred percent. If you watched the the interview that I had with, um, I was speaking to the, the blonde woman from Sky Sports. Can't remember her name. Um, no, with Laura. Yeah, that Laura, right? And um, when she was asking me before, even before we we, we were in we were in the back of the car, and we was just talking. And I said, like, I've got confidence in Connor because I saw what he'd done in the gym, Gareth. I saw the 12, 12 round, 12 four minute rounds, not three minute rounds, 12 four minute rounds with 30 second rest with two big middleweights. And I think one was like a super middleweight, bigger than me. And yet, and Connor was dealing with them. They flew a, a guy from France. So I was absolutely not worried. And what I saw over this period of Two, three, two to three months. I would, I wouldn't care him fighting um, uh, 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 um, Crawford or Spence. I, I really wouldn't because you know, if one day it's going to come a time where he's going to meet meet a good fighter, and I, I would still throw him in there. I wouldn't care because what he's only getting out what he's put in. Mm. That's what he's getting. Out. And when I saw him fighting an OJ, I wouldn't even worry. I wouldn't even worry. We weren't even worried. It's like, you know, and so when you start talking about Mikey Garcia, you talk about Ortiz, yeah, he's the he's one that where, when they're up there, that would like to see kind of fight. Super fight, isn't it? You know, yeah. But the, but the others, like the the, the, the Garcias and that, I'd, uh, I, would, I would like to see him fight him anyway. Mm, I wouldn't anyway, even, yeah. yeah, I would want to fight. Uh, uh, um, I don't even think, care if you for um, Terence Crawford. Or, or, or spent it wouldn't bother me because if you want to beat these are the guys that he's got to be and you think every fight that he's having when you say oh this is going to be a hard fight this is going to be a hard fight what's he going out there he's going to wipe the floor and he's not even been he's not even been challenged he's not even been challenged now they're going to mostly step him up again and I guarantee he'll be challenged again and I think when he starts moving up the ladder he's only going to perform better if he don't he's going to get clumped <laughs> Connor, Connor told us that um, just going into this fight that um, you you were very hard on him growing up and it made him the man he is today. But he's also said you've gone soft, yeah. <laughs> In his old age. Gone what? Soft. You've gone soft. In what? My training on what? No, I'm not no, no, that, 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 that you... Why are you looking at me like that, flaring up your chest? No, 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 no. Soft. <laughs> I, I mean, no. It was. It, it was. He always talks about you beautifully, Nigel. He loves you. You know that. I mean, and and it was. He said that. It, 
Dad was tough on me. You don't pay the, you don't pay your debt. Pay my debt. You don't pay, pay your my debt. debt. Yeah. You didn't make the weight, mate. Look, I no. Oh, but let's not even go. Yeah. Yellow towel. Have you bought him that punch bag for Christmas anyway? Have you bought it, Connor? I wouldn't buy him nothing. He owes me money. So I don't owe you, but you do. Did you make we, the weight? We had the five Did you grand, make the weight? We had a five but grand did you bet. make the weight? No, because you no, moved exactly. the No, exactly. So I, I don't know. Listen, because you didn't make the weight. No, you moved the goalpost. That's you didn't what, make no, the weight, though, mate. You keep listen, moving the goalpost. If you make the weight, I would get paid it. No, no, no. No, because you said. I oh, we'll nothing. take the money from that. I didn't say you nothing. Should, uh, no, see, look, what, you're going to hit me with your nose in a minute. You didn't, I didn't say nothing. If no, you make the way, I would have paid you. You no, didn't no, make the way. I, I, would, I was there. But did you four, make it? I was four pounds overweight. Well, so you didn't make the way then? No, so, because you moved the guy. I, I told you. I'm four pounds obviously. Well, no, take the money no, from I that. Didn't what, say yes, that. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And that's so, why you, know you are talking such a lot. Do you... The point I was making was that Connor was saying the point how that I'm making, he don't pay his debt. The point is, that's fair enough. No, 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 no. Listen, dads are always right. Da dads are always right. Um, um but the, um, the, the Connor said you were you were softer on the younger siblings, but he, he he has no. He's always happy that you were tougher on him than the rest. I tell you what it was, Gareth. I saw a lot of my traits in Connor that I didn't like, and he was going down the wrong road. He was trying to live my old life mm. from a very young age, and um, and I didn't like it, so I had to be firm with him, and um, and it was like you know it was, well nothing physical. It's just like you know what you got to be in at this time, you got to be on that time, you got to do this, you got to do that. I just made I just kind of made it, well, not made it hard because I see where he was going. No, you thought that's where I was going. Mm, you was going. That I wasn't way. going that way. Yeah, I did in the end because I rebelled because of Don't, how harsh you were. Hello, you was harsh when I was like twelve years old, man. Hello, because I saw where you was going. No, I wasn't going. How can you go anywhere at twelve years old? You were a kid. You was listen. You was out there fighting. Remember, you come up. I was a kid. Like, yeah, you have a few scuffs in school. I know, and then I went to go down and look for this guy, yeah, Master. Yeah, right, you have, you have a few scuffs in school. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then, so I had to keep my eye. You on didn't you. have to. I wasn't the kid. I wasn't the guy you see now. I used to sing in the church choir, mate. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, you did sing the yeah, church. Yeah, used to play right. the guitar. I used to listen to the Jonas Brothers. I keep saying I was a troubled kid. I didn't say then. I just had to keep my eye on him. You didn't have to. I did. I did have to keep my eye. That's where he is today because I kept my eye on him. I, I, I believe that. I believe that, Connor. That's, that's I do. Where he is now, and you know what it is, and I look and I think, thank God that you know that we sent him back to England and the rest is history. It is. It is an incredible story. When you, you know what it is. In, in now we have the more we have a better relationship now than we ever have. And a lot of things that I've done wrong, I apologise. Whatever, because it was really, really based on the relationship that the kind of life that I led that really affected my family. Do you understand what I mean, Gareth? Absolutely. And 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 yeah. I think. Yes, the weird thing is, when so let me just clarify, it wasn't ever, it wasn't my fault that I had issues. No. So no, it wasn't my fault yeah, I had issues. Yeah. Any kid that went through what I went through as yeah. a kid would have been trauma traumatic. So yeah. therefore I turned out to be the way I was. But yeah, so that's, it's, an, it's inevitable it happens. That's the consequence of your action, me being the way I was. Yes. I'm, I'm so you can't say I was a troubled kid because I was actually an all right kid up until... Oh. 
Um, yes, yes. But it's probably fair to say, Connor, that because... I'm not going to be like you. <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to be like you. Never going to be like you. I know. That was the piss, the soul. <laughs> yeah, that did. <laughs> oh, oh, I never want to be like you. And he screwed up all these things. Never. He looked at me like that. Mm, with disdain. Never going to be like you. And I think... And when you hear that from your son talking about yeah. your dad, even though that you're wrong, and now you think you say, "Wow, thank you, Lord, that it's not like me." And how funny is that? Now I wish I'm half the man he was. No, but it's so no, funny. No, yeah. I don't because I don't want you. But wish you already a half the man. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's just funny though, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, where which where have you been? Yeah, there's right. outside the ring and there's inside the ring, isn't there? Inside the ring is doing is doing actually better than what I was. I think what it was. It was outside the ring, the party life. That's that's what really kind of, I know, brought us, it brought a lot of um, tension in the house when he was growing up. Yeah. What he what he saw, well, not what he saw, it was what he heard. Yeah. Not I'm not not cussing at mum or anything, but stories in the papers, sleeping with this woman, doing that, seeing his mum broken and all things like that. Kind of like you know. Made him add a hard exterior towards me. We didn't even like me to tell you the truth. He couldn't even stand me. So, 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 and I, and I understand. It's only when I when I came to faith that my whole life changed. The drug use, the sex, the anger, everything kind of just deteriorated. And that's when I apologised to my whole family. Having you know, we we when we're twenty five. When we were twenty five, Nigel, you, we did enjoy ourselves a lot, a lot. Um, there was a lot to enjoy. It was like it was a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, are you kind of proud and amazed that? Because I'm amazed sometimes when twenty five year olds like Connor can actually make the sacrifice and not go wild at all. Uh, uh, does it amaze you about your son that he's able to do that? Uh, yeah, but he said this from from a fourteen year old. No, we were still, we were still in we were still in Mallorca. So what he saw, <laughs> can't talk in, in India, <laughs> my daughter. So, so what, what he saw at a young age, he knew he didn't want to be like me. Mm. Do, do you understand? So when the, the, he knows there, the drugs are partying, it's all right there. It's not going away. But that's not who he is. Mum never mum never brought him up that way. Mum never brought him up that way. But he had a little bit of sick, sicky bits. But he learnt from them. He didn't he didn't he didn't actually get <laughs> cremated like me or singed. You know, he, he just, you know, he just oh he, he felt that he, he didn't he didn't want to be like that. He that wasn't who he was. And it's always like, you know, you can hear that ringing in your ear, mum. Oh, Connie, you don't want to be doing that. You don't want to be doing that. And, and it stuck. So, you know, like, so, but he actually didn't even have to go through that because he saw the pain that he would cause if he'd done what I did. He, know, he knows the pain. He knows the pain. And he knows how it affected him growing up. And what really affected him when I left the house for one year, he remembers, and he says now, all he remembers, he's saying that he had a pain in his heart. It was only young that I left. It was like his hero had to leave and go and live with my pastor for one year. One Do you remember year. that, Connor? Yeah. Of course he remembers that. That, that, was, that was like traumatic with him because like, 
all of a sudden these heroes left and going to live with somebody else for one year. And he said, How old were you then, Connor? 13. Oh, so it's a very formative time as well. Yeah, uh, yeah it was hard. Yeah, it was definitely a hard period because I was old enough to understand, which was the worst part. Because if I was maybe nine or eight, you don't really understand. But because I was old enough to understand, it was it was hard. Um, it's amazing to hear all that. Um, so Christmas is coming up. Um, do you keep training? Is Dad staying? Have you got more family over? Tell me about Christmas. Um, Dad's staying till New Year's, which is lovely because it's Eli's first Christmas. We'll still be training together, yeah. Yeah. Um, keep the weight down. Um, I've already had a, a mince pie this morning with a couple of chocolate biscuits. Yeah. And it's only... Um, oh, hot, hot. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's not good, is it? No, I'm going to drink straight after here. Yeah, yeah. Yule, Yule log is the one. When you buy the Yule log... You know the chocolate log? No. Sounds good, though. Yeah. (laughs) It sits there for 48 hours, and then, you know, it's the chocolate. And then you go, I'll have a slice, and then... That's it, yeah, that's it. An hour later, and then 3 a.m., I think I'll just get up and have a coffee. It it just goes on. (laughs) It's the Yule Log. What does it mean to be achieving the things now where you said to us on a call before this fight, Connor, that God, if I can do half the stuff dad done, I'll be proud. As done, I'll be proud. And he's telling you, you've done more than he's done already. How does that feel? Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's flattering, overwhelming, but he is my dad. So to him, I would have already achieved more than he has, but we'll always, there'll always be this argument between us of me being in his shadow and him saying I'm not. Um, they will always, I think there will forever be that argument. I think uh, I'll always be in my dead shadow, which ain't a problem to me. But he, but you see in the negative, I don't, I don't, I think, I, I don't think it'd be in, uh, if I look, it's at, not a bad thing, yeah, though, no, but if I, I, yeah. But if I look in and say, me training, Gaff, and I'm telling you the truth, me at my peak, at my peak as world champion, what were you 28, 27, 28? Yeah, at my peak, yeah. I'm doing, when I'm like, you know, world champion, I'm there. Yeah, he's already achieved that with, with his training. His training aspect is completely different. We never had strength and conditioning. We never had dietitian and twitch. We never what's twitch fibers. We never knew all about all these things. So, so what he's the team that he has. I never had a team like that, and it's it's showing. If, I mean, to do twelve four minute rounds with thirty seconds rest. I think after about four rounds, I've got to sit down and have a fag and just bring myself down again compared to what he does. Mm. Completely different training. Completely mm. different. He trains like a beast. And I'm up and I'm up at five o'clock in the morning with him, watching him train and training with him. And it's like I just switched on back into the army training up at five before the alarm even gone off. We're up. We're ready to go. Start the gym at, at six o'clock. We're ready in the gym. I have to drive about 20 kilometers and we're we're in the gym. And then after that, he comes home, goes to sleep. I relax. Then afterwards we get up and then we go to the gym again. This was like for three months. Three months. So that's when I was not worried about Algeria. I saw what he'd done in the gym. 
So when you've got that, 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 that's the confidence that I've got and where I look at him now and think to myself, well, I see him going all the way. You know, you, you say, well, you know, you're living in your father's footsteps, but he's not because he's where I look at him and I think, oh my gosh, the training that you do is just, it's absolutely phenomenal. You know, so, I, and I just see him going all the way. What would it, what if I, if you were to pick, I don't want to start a, a debate over Christmas and New Year with the two of you and leave you with it, but what, what are the areas you'd like to see him improving? Is it, is it fainting and footwork? Is it, what would, where would you like to see him improve? He's done all that. He's done, he done it all on, he's done it all on Saturday. The he only did. thing I would see is just have a, a nice hard gu- high guard. That's it. Nothing else. He's got the shots. And the funny thing about it, I know he's got an engine on him, but he's not even been at a first gear yet. Mm. Mm. He's not being challenged. Well, I was like, so there's nothing that I would say that, you know, all I say is, and what he was doing, working the body, he does all that now. You're only seeing a little bit of him. You ain't seeing the, the full, the full Connor Ben, you know? Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like, what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Isn't their relationship just fantastic? Well, next up on the show, Robert Smith joined us to assess the year from the British Boxing Board of Control's perspective. And he had quite a lot of interesting things to say, not least how boxing had bounced back since September. We're always keen to talk to people who want to be part, you know, a referee or whatever. The, the thing we're different from is that other countries will just have a judge, a licensed judge, and then a licensed referee, two different categories. We don't, we just have a referee who can judge. And we also have, you know, a number of stages that a referee has to get to. So you start off as a trainee, you go and do scoring tests. Then if you're deemed suitable, you go into practical tests in the ring where somebody else is scoring. Then hopefully you can become a B, 
become an A, and then ultimately, if you're good enough, um, you become a star class referee. Um, and that can take you 10, 15 years to get to that stage. Um, so, and we do that because we believe you there should be, that is part of your training. Uh, we believe that's for your experience, etc. cetera. Um, so we, we are restricted, I suppose, on the number of people we can use for championships, although that, that is broadening a little bit more. Um, so, but they are the people who've done all the work to get where they are. Would you like people, say like myself, who are critical sometimes of judging decisions to come along and sit alongside a judge and judge maybe at an event and, and see how difficult it actually is in real time? You can do that. You can do that already. You're, wherever you sit, you've got a reasonable seat. I mean, the only thing I would say is that a lot of opinions are formulated by looking at a video three or four times or replays three or four times. And the judges and the referees have a split second to make a decision or a relatively quick period of time without the, without the benefit of looking at a replay. Um, so a lot of the criticisms we are receiving is because somebody has had the opportunity to view it more than once um, where the referee hasn't got the opportunity. Um, talking about refereeing and, and judging, um, obviously controversy in the last couple of weeks over Bradley Skeet being um, hit uh, by Hamza Shiraz when he was down, Steve Gray refereeing at Copper Box, uh, Frank Warren, BT Sport Card. Um, what's the upshot of that in the end? Um, obviously, you've ruled on uh, understanding Steve Gray's reading of the situation. Could you explain to me how that is now seen by the boards and, and if there is any action to be taken? Well, S Steve appeared before the board uh, last week. Um, and was it last week? Yeah, or was it this week? I remember now. Things go quite so quickly, yeah. Um, and ultimately, he had three options, ultimately. The first option was to throw Hanser out straight away. The second was to do what he did give Bradley the opportunity to recover and to make sure that Steve was happy he'd recovered. And the third one was, if he wasn't happy he'd recovered, then disqualified Hamza again. Um, and he, he picked the, the middle option, where he was satisfied that Bradley was okay to continue. Uh, if you notice on the video, uh, which I say, talk about we go back to the videos, etc. but he was talking to him constantly and Bradley was replying. He was coherent. He made him walk across the ring and back again. So Steve was satisfied that um, he was in a physical condition to continue. At that point, he deducted the points, point off Hamza, and that's the punishment. Um, Steve came, came before the board, uh, some committee of the board explained that. They've accepted it. It's the rules. Uh, he didn't break any rule. Uh, it's within the rules. Um, People might not agree with it, for sure, but it was certainly within the rules. Hamza will appear before the Southern Area Council in the new year. There's no need to rush with regard to that. He's not boxing until February, March sometime. Steve, obviously, is going to be appointed to shows as soon as possible. So that's the reason why that's done. Um, and, uh, you know, he gave a very full explanation. He is, a, in my opinion, a world-class referee, a very good referee. Uh, if he didn't agree with it, that, decision on the night. I fully respect that. But he didn't actually break any rules.
And 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 for Hamza Shiraz, you know, we, we understand it's not the first time that he's hit an opponent. Um, when that will be up to the Southern Area Council to to discuss with him and his manager and possibly his trainer, etc., with regard to conduct, etc. So that hasn't happened yet. Um, but everybody on that council are well aware; they've all seen it uh, live. Some of the, some of the council members were at that show, saw it live, and obviously have now seen it subsequently. So they will deal with that. Um, and I'm sure Hamza, we put a statement out um, that he didn't mean to do it, so he claims. Um, and you, you obviously, that's his opinion, etc. The promoter has offered Bradley a return. That's up to Bradley whether he fit, feels fit that it's the, to have a return. But ultimately, that's his choice. But, but surely Hamza is... Um committed a foul and he's won the fight so you know within the rules within the rules he won the fight within the rules and we can all argue whether the rules wrong or right but he but, but there was nothing within the rules and the op and the options the referee had yes he won about but but it, but but if he escapes any punishment at all it then then where will he learn from this well, he was punished, wasn't he? Because he had a point deducted on the night. So that, that's he still the, won the fight, Robert. And, and, and I, I, I fully appreciate that. But within what happened on the night, the sanction against him took place. Now, obviously, when they come to January, they'll go through it all with him, go go through with 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 him and his manager and, yeah. and trainer, and they'll deem what they need to do at that point. If you had a magic wand um, on your wish list, obviously you deal with the sanctioning bodies, WBO, WBA, IBF, WBC, and obviously the IBO. If you had a, a magic wand, what, 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 what would be the, the greatest change or changes you would try to implement with the sanctioning bodies? I think the biggest, and I've talk, spoken to this to you many times, um, the biggest problem boxing has is there's no world governing body. Uh, which makes it very difficult. Um, also, there's not even an American boxing board of control. Every state looks after itself, as you well know. Um, I think with the sanctioned bodies, if they could maybe, and I think there is moves to do this. Um, I know there has been meetings with the presidents of each sanctioned body, etc., uh, to talk to each other more, consider the unified championships. And I would say just, we all work from one ratings. They all have their own ratings. I think it'd be very beneficial if we work from one ratings, and I have, it, I have said that in meetings to the WBC, um, it hasn't happened. I don't, whether it does happen, I don't know. But, I, but you know, to keep talking to each other and, you know, people are interested in unified championships because generally they're the two best boxers in the division. Um, and that will be beneficial to the sport as a whole. So, so what you're saying is if they can agree on having... Um, the same 15 boxers ranked in the top 15. I think that would be very helpful. Um, and I don't know whether it will make fights easier to make because things take time to change. But I do think one ratings for everybody would be sensible. But how do you, then, then what do you do with the four champions? Are they not rated in those? Yeah, you just look at your top 15. But hopefully by doing that, um, you may get the opportunity for the champions of each sanctioning body to box each other. Which, to be fair, is, is happening a bit more than it has done for quite some time. Um, so that's beneficial to everybody. Um, I don't remember that really happening in the 80s much. Everyone looked after themselves, certainly not in the 90s. No. In the 70s, when I was getting into boxing, there was only two world sanctioned bodies, the WBC and WBA. 
that happened every now and again, but then it all got splintered up a bit more with the IBF and WBO. So um, I think that would be beneficial to the sport. That's just a pipe dream. If it happens, fantastic. It might not happen in my time. Well, we all love seeing unified and undisputed champions. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we get an undisputed heavyweight champion in 2022. Because as you say, having that means so much to the sport, doesn't it? And it will always be a big fight. There's potentially three or four massive heavyweight fights in 2022, which will hopefully sustain the sport. Well, I hope that uh, the undisputed heavyweight champion will be British. That will be beneficial to all of us. Um, but what it can be done, I'm sure it can be done. Um, just takes a bit of time. Well, three, three, As I said before, these fights are happening a bit more. People say fights yeah. aren't happening. They are starting to happen, but they do happen. Um, you know, um, Amir Khan, Kelbrook, I know it may be a few years too late, but it's happening. Um, and that's going to be a good event as well. And a, and a decent fight, I would have Great stuff there from Robert Smith. Well, next we had a fascinating interview with Isaac Chamberlain, fresh off victory uh, about seven or eight days ago. He had some really deep things to tell us about the transformational time in his life when he took two years out between 2016 and 2018. Here's what he had to tell us. it's all you know how can you walk away and that's that's something that a lot of fighters have to suffer with mm. you know if that's all you've ever done since you was a little child what do you there is no plan b so you've had to become successful so to just walk away from something that you've been working for your whole life is very very difficult mm. yeah see, you know, see so there's a lot of people on social media right now isaac saying oh please derek walk away you know people i know coral barry at the bbc alex steedman who's a fellow uh, presenter and, and commentator on TalkSport. It's down to Derek to make the decision. I totally agree with we that. We should not be trying to retire him. No, I'm not trying to retire him. What I'm saying is my, the way that I feel, for, I'm talking from my heart, just saying, you know, I'm looking at the whole career, Gareth, 44 fights, you know, he's done everything. You know, he's been in war after war after war and I'm going, I would like to see him. I'm not saying he's going to because I know that he's going to be in the ring three or four more times. I'm saying I would like to see him walk away now. I know he well, won't. Well, well Isaac himself has sparred Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, Alexander Usyk. Um, where are you going, my friend? You won, uh, obviously, on Friday, and uh, Friday before last, obviously, uh, eight days ago. Um, mm. Your shot at Maris Bradis is coming up for the IBF title, isn't it? Oh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Um, we're going to look at what to do in the new year, you know, and um, I had a long conversation with McKenzie. And uh, my coaches, you know, Bobby Mills and Connor Ward, we was basically thinking just every fight next year is going to be for some sort of title. Mm. 
you know, we're probably looking at Jack Massey for the IBO, then Ryan Murphy for the WBA, then Unify with Maurice Bredis. Wow. That's that's the dream plan. I mean, great performance last week, mate. You really established yourself on the scene, Thank actually, you. you know, with, with that <laughs> performance. You really and did. And on terrestrial TV. A- absolutely. You know, you, you, you stepped up to the game. You know, when we go back to sort of like, you know, topping the bill at the O2 against a Coley, and now where, you are, where you're at now... You've you've uh-huh. got you've come on leaps and bounds, mate, and you you you're one in the leading lights, you know, in in that cruiserweight division, mate. I'm I'm really looking yeah, forward to 2022 you. for you. What's what's the roadmap for you for 2022? Where was you know where would you say where would you like to be, and where you know where would you like to, to end? Would you like the world title shot in 2022? Of course, thank you for what you said. Though, that it no, it's a pleasure. From, I know, I, from I, a champion like you. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure, you mate. Know, I'm, I'm but, speaking from the heart. Yeah, I honestly, um what I really like to focus on is just take taking everything one at a time. You know, I have to take things one fight at a time and, you know, that's the real main focus because I can't really look too ahead of myself. I've gotten back into this position where, you know, everything was super hyped. You know, I realised as soon as I beat Presovich, because he was number three in the world, mm, sure. mm, mm. and I stopped him in the first round. And, um, you know, I remember as soon as... Um, the ref waved it off. I was just like a sigh, a relief. Like, yes, I've finally done it through all the setbacks that I've that I've had to go through. The lockdown, the um, you know, with coronavirus, the surgery that I had to have on my shoulder, all of these things, and I still pushed through. I never gave up. Sure. And that's probably the same quality that Derek Chisora showed tonight. Absolutely. No matter what happens, you cannot give up. That's why I really understand what he's going through. And and he it's just impossible. You either have it or you don't. Because if you give up once, you're going to give up again. Sure. I mean, I, I get your journey, Isaac, as, as it happens. Like I say, we you know that fight that we were talking about with Akoli. Like, from there for you, it was a tough road back, a tough 100%. journey. A, a real What people don't understand about boxers is that roller coaster of a journey that you have. You know, that people don't see that side of it, that people don't see. You know, when things go wrong. They the weren't ready are, together, him they, and Akoli, uh, uh, um, to headline a big show. No, that, but this is that, what I'm saying. So, young so Yeah, so, when, you know, when you're coming off a lost defeat like that, yeah. you know, and, and then you sort of like you, you've gone from topping the bill at the O2, and it's that tough journey back. People don't see what goes on behind closed doors, Gareth. The you things you got to deal with, I the realized, mental health issues, etc. Do you know what I realised as well? It was one of the best things to happen to me because Brilliant. I had to really find find myself, you know, and mm. I developed myself as a fighter and look at what I did wrong and what happened. I realised, you know, I had to weed out all the snakes and <laughs> people that was not there for me when I thought they were going to be there for me. So it made me grow so much as a human being and an athlete, you know, and, you know, credit to Akoli, he's world champion now. And people are always saying, oh, how does it feel to do this and that compared to Akoli? But I could never compare to him because he came from an unprivileged background, just like myself. And to see him making a success of himself, is nothing short but of inspirational, you know, so he can inspire the youth, you know, to stay off the streets and, you know, pursue a talent and a passion that they're, you know, really interested in and make something of themselves. So that's what I really want to inspire to all the kids going out there because for boxing, it's more than just fighting. It's about inspiring the next generation all the time. You know, and that's what I really, really believe. Isaac, um, the, the loss to Akoli was in on the 3rd of February 2018. Then you beat Luke Watkins on October the... 
yeah. 27th, 2018. Then we didn't yeah. see you for nearly two years. What? what yeah. t- tell us what you went through and what you did in those two years till you came back against Anthony Woolery. Are, are you guys ready for this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah. This oh, is fight man. night where we go deep, baby. Yeah. I had to really find myself, you know. I went away to Miami to train with Jorge Rubio, you know, to really test myself and go outside my comfort zone, you know. And there were certain times it was very, very difficult out there. You know, I was getting empty promises from U.S. promoters because I was going to try and make some fights in the U.S. Just empty promises after empty promises. I was working extremely hard. You know, sometimes I was where I was staying, it was in like a, a hostel, with, which was $15 a night. I would just come there with my own little gym, my gym bag and my gym suitcase. I had to lock it up because you don't know if they would try and steal from you or anything. And I would stay there. I stayed there for Christmas, for New Year's, for my birthday. Like, I'm looking on Snapchat and Instagram of everyone enjoying their meals with their families. And I'm 4,000 miles away from everyone at home. You know, it was it was hurtful. You know, certain times I'll be crying every day. Like, if you want to be real, if, if we're getting deep, I'm, I'm telling you the real yeah. truth. We want the lowest you point. Know? You know, what was the lowest point that you got to? Because you need to get to the lowest point to, to pick yourself back mm. up. That's that's where we um, want to go. Probably the lowest point. Um, do you know what? It's How can I really explain this? There wasn't, I don't really recall a real low point. It just got to a point where it was low for such a long time where you just had to, you dealt with and you adapted to how you're feeling. But you, I, no matter what, I still kept working. Throughout the low points, I never once stopped and just been like, do you know what, I can't do this. And that was something that was instilled with me. Same thing as, again, I'm going to say what Chisora has. No matter how you're feeling, no matter what you're doing, you're still going to get up and do the work because the sun shines Every day the sun rises, you have to make sure you go and do your work as well. And that's literally, I was just going, I was probably in a trance of just keep going to the gym. Just kept going to the gym no matter how I was feeling. And I'm so happy because it made me so mentally resilient and mentally strong that I just kept going. And now I believe I'm slowly starting to reap the fruits of my labor, you know, and when I want my hands were lifted, you know, I felt like, you know what? I deserve this because of everything I went through. And because I went through all of these things outside of the ring, nothing can deter my determination. Nothing can, like, I won't be distracted, you know? I will never ever be like, oh, waking up in the morning, oh, I can't be bothered to run. I'll never, I'll be running with a smile on my face because there was a time where I couldn't do that and I never had no fights. It's coming and, into my mind, Isaac, that it always gets darker before it gets light. Absolutely. 100%. You know? Yeah, 100%. Basically, it's Mick a was like my guardian angel. Yeah, Mick was like my card, the guardian angel. He helped me so much throughout lockdown. He helped me so much. Throughout. Like, he's more than just a promoter. You know, even my coach, Bobby Mills, he's helped me so much. And, you know, we've built such a great bond together as a whole team. You know, that's why I believe I have the best team in boxing with Channel 5 and Hennessy Sports and Infinitum and, you know, Mick Hennessy and Michael Sal, you know, I feel like, you know, it's such a strong family and we're all working hard together. So I feel like winning just for them 
and especially just to inspire the kids at my boxing club, even my boxing club in Brixton, Afui Boxing Club, just to inspire the kids there because there's so many kids there that's looking up to me and thinking, if Isaac can do it, I can do it. And that's all I want to really be, a role model to the kids at Afui and all the kids out there. Yeah, and I think you're certainly doing that, mate. I really do. I think that, you know, your journey's been an incredible one, Isaac. You know, to, you know, being where you was at, you was catapulted up to the top of the bill, you know, 02. Then you, then you had the loss, and it was a real tough journey back. And you've highlighted it there, the dark, you know, the dark side of the sport, really. Um, and I just want to salute you, mate, for coming back the way you've come back. And that performance you put in last week put you right back up there in the mix, mate. Right back up there, you know, for world title contention. And, and I want to salute you for that, mate. And I think you're an inspiration to a lot of people, not just the young kids, but to a lot of people out there because um, you, you've been on one hell of a journey. Yeah, you just can't stop. You know, that's just the message you have to send out there. You have to be so mentally relentless in your pursuit to get what you want. You cannot stop. Mm. You know, you have to be so relentless in everything, you know, and... You have to use everything as motivation. My son, who was just born when I was in training camp for this fight, he was he's three weeks old now. I look at him every day and I'm just thinking, I'm going to do this for you. You know, I'm trying to give you a better life. That's why when I went in that ring and I was boxing Prasovic and he, and at the start, he caught me with a left hook, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and I see why. And then instantly, <laughs> instantly I thought about my son. I said, okay, you know what? You, I got to take you out. I was never like that before. Before I would obviously think, okay, I'm boxing, I'm gonna be I'm sharp, I'm focused. But now it's like you have a dark side, a mean streak where as soon as I hit you, you're going. You know, and you have to be so you have to really have a switch. I think every champion needs to have some sort of switch. Sure. Where you really tune into that dark side because of everything that you've been through. Well, next up we spoke about the fight that was live on the night, Derek Chisora and Joseph Parker. What a fight it was, of course. Um, Derek Chisora showing great resilience, great will, great grit, great determination. There is certainly not an R word in that man at the moment. He does not want to retire. Spencer and I pulled over the bones of that fight. What a fight it was indeed. One of the great performances by Derek Chisora tonight, but down three times, he was counted twice, standing counts, down yeah. once on his haunches. Uh, Joseph Parker's just been announced as the, as the winner. There was no, there was no, it was clearly, he was clearly the winner. But Derek's resilience and the way Derek performed tonight has made you say a few things in the break. And I think the listeners, listeners should hear this. Yeah, listen, look, as you know, you know my history with Derek. And we know you, I go back a long way with Derek. And, and, and I've got a strong friendship with Derek. And Derek... You know, we we saw there that performance. That was his. What was that? His twelfth loss, or his was that his twelfth loss in forty four fights? It is. It's his twelfth loss in forty four. Right, twelfth loss in forty four fights. Look back at those losses. Every one of them has been a heroic effort. You know, going back to Dillian White, Kalichko. You know, all these fights that he has are wars. Is he giving too much? Is he giving too much? This is where I'm going. This is where I'm going with this conversation, Gareth. And this is why I I wanted to say it. You know, Derek's 39 years of age this month. 37. 39 this month. Is it? It's 39. Uh, 38 this month. He's 38 in a couple of weeks' time, correct? He's 38 in a couple of weeks, right? So... 
it concerns me, Derek, that I, I, he's one of those fighters that's going to need saving from himself. Mm. Yes, he's brilliant, and look what we just seen there. A potential Could we have fighter. said that during the fight you needed to set? Could they have uh, pulled him out in the fight? No, I think, look, look he, he was never in any danger in the fight. He was putting up a heroic performance, mm -hmm. an incredible performance, mm -hmm. and he was having his successes, and he made it as hard as he possibly could for Joseph Parker. You know, the scoring probably won't tell the story of the fight because Derek was in it the whole way. He was dangerous, and it was just... Brilliant. But Derek's in those sort of fights all the time. Listen, I know there's life after boxing. And what I'm saying is, you get to a stage where, look, Derek has earned a colossal amount of money, yeah? He's got his future set up. And I think he's put in some incredible performance. He's been an amazing ambassador for the sport of British boxing. And it just concerns me, Gareth. It really does. And I'm, I'm speaking from the heart here. This is from the heart that, you know, I just... You just look at it and go, you know what, Derek, sometime, at, at some point, very soon, you're going to have to hang up your gloves because you can't continue having fights of that sort of magnitude, you know, that sort of punt, taking that sort of punishment over 12 rounds. They were boxing like featherweights. They were throwing a colossal amount of punches, big punches. Like you say, Derek was down not once, not twice, three times. And he picked himself off the floor and he was just, it was just a war. And it just, you know, for me... I just go, you know what, Derek? You've given me all that I need to see. Like, you've had an incredible career. British Commonwealth, European champion, world title challenger. He's not going to get another world title shot. Yes, he's earning big money. Yes, he's giving the fans what they need. But I want a, a right. Derek to save him from himself. All right, get this right. I did an interview with him for DAZN. It's on off the cuff on DAZN. <clears throat> Here's what he said to me. Tell me someone who has retired from boxing and left and never come back. Show me that B and I'll follow his rules. Ricky Hatton retired and a couple of weeks later opened a gym. They all do it. Tony Bellew said he hated boxing. He's back. David Hay, he wants more. They all come back in through the, through the back door. You can't retire. It's the biggest drug in the world. Even Floyd Mayweather, the richest man in the game, is still in boxing. If I retire from boxing, I will set fire to everything I have from boxing. Gloves, things I've won on a huge bonfire night. The only time... We do retire is when we're six feet under. And even then, I'll probably still be shadow boxing. Get that. This, this Here's my concern. And this is what comes to mind. And another great friend of mine, actually, I boxed in the Commonwealth Games with him in 1994. He won a bronze medal. I won a silver medal. Who am I going to say? A guy that needs saving from, from himself. And that's Danny Williams. He beat Mike Tyson. He was still boxing, I think, up until a few months ago. Boxing on a foreign license. Losing, losing, losing. I'm just concerned that Derek no, goes down that bits. road. Absolutely. And I love Danny as well. I yeah, love Danny. I love Danny. Yeah. I'm not, you know, that's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is they need saving from themselves sometimes. Derek has just put up a heroic performance. And yeah, of course, on that performance, he's got more fights in him. But what I'm saying is what is left... What is left to prove? There's nothing left to prove. All right, great. He's putting up great fights and he's giving entertainment. But at what cost? You know, at what price is that? That's what I'm saying. If at what you hadn't had that? your brain hemorrhage, if you hadn't had your injury, how old are you? I'm 46. Would you still be fighting? Oh, definitely not you now. I'm 46. Are you sure? I'm sure, yeah. Are you absolutely Listen, sure? If, if I was, because you tell me every time we're off air that if you were able to get back in a oh, ring, you would. Oh, absolutely. But what I'm saying is reality is that at 46, what I'm saying is if I was still fighting from when I was boxing back in the day in the 90s and I was still fighting now, I'd probably have a colossal amount of money in the bank, but I wouldn't know where the bank was. <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah, it's a, I, I laugh, you know, but it's a very you know, serious thing. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't want to yeah. be talking to lampposts. No. I, I, you know, it's like what I'm saying is I've come out and, yeah, I've got my fingers burnt and... 
you know, thankfully I made a recovery and, and this is it. But I'm just looking at this, you know, please don't think that the people that are listening as well, that I'm, I'm being hard on Derek because I'm not because Derek's a friend of mine. And all I'm saying is it gets to a point where I go, you know what, Derek, you give us memories, loads of memories, great fights. At some point, you've got to hang up your gloves, mate. And, and I'm just thinking it's got to be sometime soon because they're hard fights. You know, and I want Derek's got life after the sport, and it concerns me that actually the the the, the, um, the paragraph you just read out actually of Derek, of the quotes of Derek. Well, I think it's haunting. Yeah, I think it's haunting to hear that. Mm. You know, I mean that that he's literally saying, "No, I'm not quitting. Yeah, absolutely. I've got fights left in me." Mm. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, he's fought a guy here who I rank about five in the world. Yeah. Do you not rank Parker around? About oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, but he's he's he's, <clears throat> he's definitely in the top. He's definitely in the top five or six, without a doubt. Yeah, you know, Parker's a great fighter, and Derek pushed him all the way. That's what I'm saying. It's not like we're talking about a guy here who's shot to bits because he's not. But what I'm talking about is the accumulation of punches that he's taking fight after fight. And I know the consequences of that. And I know, you know, that, you know, at what price do you... Do you, do you pay for when you stop the sport? Like, and Gareth, this is another thing. And people go, well, you know, Derek's great. He's in great health and everything else. It's not now. I'm talking about, you know, you you get the after effects of this 10 years later. You know that. You've seen the history of sport, the history of boxers that have sort of they've, they've deteriorated after they've retired from the sport, you know, from having to fight after fight after fight, you know, really tough fights. You know, look at your modern greats. People like, you know, Evander Holyfield, Larry Holmes, them sort of people. You know, I don't want Derek to be there. I really don't, because I think he's a great guy. And that was another you're tough fight. You're upset by it. I know you're upset yeah, by what it... you've seen tonight. Let's go back over the fight and just look at, uh, at what happened in the fight. The significant moments, really, early on, Parker was very clever in the mid-range, yep. wasn't he? <clears throat> and he gave himself space to land those dangerous uppercuts mm. and those 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 stinging right hands. And and he, they'd worked on Derek's um, peekaboo style yep. and how he ducks down. And Parker punched down very... His jab was strong and he punched down with the right hand and then he was looking for that uppercut. All the things that worked, he worked on, he clearly worked on with Andy Lee yep. for Derek bobbing and weaving. The game plan was... They executed the game plan perfectly. Perfectly. Like you say, long jab, whipping in the uppercut, throwing over the hook, and it was landing. It was landing repeatedly. That's what I'm saying. You know, Derek was taking. Derek's so brave, man. He's just like one of the bravest guys you'll ever meet. And you know, if you're if you're if you're a paying customer to go and see a boxing fight, right? If I if I'm going to buy a ticket to go and see a boxing fight for anybody in the country, Derek would be right up there at the top. I go, I want to go and see him fight. I don't care who he's fighting. I want to go and see him fight because I know I'm getting value for money. You know that he's bringing it. He, he, he does what he says on the tin. He, you know, he brings the heat. He brings the war. That's why he's called War Gisora, because you get, you're guaranteed of a fight. But what I'm saying is some fighters need saving from themselves. And, you know, Derek, I, I love the guy. And I just like, I just think, you know, 38, long career, 44 fights. 44 fights, Gareth. And, and, and you know, 30 of those have been wars. You know, so that, and that's, that's the thing that concerns me about Derek. I just, you know... I don't think he will retire, and I, you know I think that you, we'll see him in there again, and we'll see him in another great fight, and we'll probably see him in another great fight. But you know, what cost is that? Um, I've, there's two things I want to ask you about. I've just got the scores in: 114, 112, 115, 10, 110 twice. Very um, odd scorecards. 114, 112. Yeah, it wasn't that close. Uh, you know, I, we we was watching it without the sound on, without the commentary. Um, we was watching it just here in the studio, in between doing this. But we, we you know, we. Uh, 
from what I saw, it wasn't that close. You know, it was it was quite a convenient three knockdowns. They're ten eight rounds. So now all of a sudden, Derek's six points up already. He's six points up already. Yeah. You know, in those three rounds. So out, what, so what are we saying? So out of the out of the next nine rounds, Derek, Derek must have lost. So sorry, Derek must have won seven. seven I had rounds. it one hundred and eighteen, hundred and ten. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, five rounds up and, yeah, and then that's about right. Yeah. Um, what what for Parker from here? I mean, we wanted to know if Parker could make a statement tonight. Mm-hmm. What, what's he done for his resume? Well, I think he, I think he did make a statement tonight. To be fair, because you know he's sort of he's always been one of those that's negative, and we've never really seen the best of him, and he's never sort of rolled a dice and took the gamble. He done that tonight. He done that from round one. He took. He done what he said he was going to do. He took the fight to Derek, and and he stood there and he traded with him, and it was a great, entertaining fight. And he done as good a job as anybody's done. Like, look, let's go back to Dillian White. All right, Dillian knocked Derek out in the eleventh round. Up until that point, you go to the scorecards. Derek was up. Derek was winning. First fight with Dillian White, very controversial. A lot of people felt Derek won. So what I'm saying is, Derek holds his own with the best, with the elite. Parker just put in a great performance. That shows you that he mixes it with the work with the elite. How does Parker move his career on at this point, though? Because um, does he go in and try and fight a, a Joe Joyce or a Daniel Dubois? Or, you know, th- does he put himself in that, that kind of position? But that, I think that's where he is, Gareth. I think that you've got your sort of elite. Let's say you're elite. So you've got your Fury, your Wilder. Um, your Fury, Wilder. Um, who else have we got? Dillian White and... Fury Wilder, Dillian White... And Usyk, yes. yeah. So we've got you. They, 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 your elite, and then you've got your your next tier, which is like your Joe Joyce, um, Daniel Dubois, Joseph Parker, um, those sort of fighters. So yeah, I think that he's in that one where he's he's close. He's knocking on the door. You know, the opportunity might arise. You know, we we know that there's this situation with Tyson Fury at the moment with Dillian White. You know, Dillian White waiting for the arbitration to clear to get his shot for the WBC. Tyson Fury obviously wants to be active. He was talking about wanting to box by February sort of time. Will he try and box someone else before he boxes Dillian White? You know, there's so many moving parts in the heavyweight division at the moment. Alexander Rusik going over old Graham with Anthony Joshua. So... You know, an opportunity may arise. Um, but Joseph Parker's definitely up there and he, he's sort of knocking on the door. Well, finally, late in the show, we caught up with Bob Aram live from Las Vegas. Um, we talked about Tyson Fury. He revealed a few things about the fact that Fury might fight someone else if the negotiations with Dillian White could not be made soon for the WBC heavyweight champion. Here's what Bob had to tell Spencer and I. It was wonderful. What a performance he put on. Just showed why he is so elite, why he, you know, technically, certainly the best fighter in the world. Bob, um, we spoke to Frank Warren earlier who said it's a complex negotiation for Tyson Fury and Dillian White because of no time constraints or purse constraints by uh, the WBC at the moment. What are your instincts? Obviously, it's looking like Cardiff potentially in March, but Frank was saying there's a lot of um, water to pass under the bridge to get this fight over the line. Are you feeling the same from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, and Frank and I both agree that if uh, we can't come to a deal with Dylan White, uh, uh, we'll do uh, the fight for the Ring Magazine belt and uh, uh, and the lineal title, and we'll pick another opponent, 
and we got we got to get Tyson in the ring uh, by the end of March. Absolutely. Well, I, I went on his homecoming tour with him uh, a couple of weeks back, and uh, he's clearly still in shape. And you know, it's it's imperative. You saw him obviously in New York. He sang American Pie for you for your birthday, and there in the ring, of course. And he came face to face with Alexander Usyk. Uh, said he looked like a middleweight. I mean, you know it's imperative for his mental health as well that he goes back into camp and he knows he's got a fight. Abs- 100% correct. 100% correct. And Frank and I are determined uh, to come to him uh, with an opponent that is acceptable, and we'd love to do that fight in Cardiff. So, Frank, uh, so Bob, if, if the fight with Dillian doesn't materialize, is there any other names you've got in the hat, any other names that you've got in mind um, as, as a substitute? Well, there's, uh, there's uh, Andy Ruiz is a possibility. Uh, there's um, uh, uh, Joseph Parker, I see, has had a good victory uh, 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 over Chisora. Uh, that could be a possibility, uh, and uh, uh, we're looking at a couple of other names, uh, fighters uh, that might be appropriate. Um, obviously, Bob, we're, we're going to look ahead just for a moment to um, 2022. Um, I want to ask your assessment of of how boxing stood up to the pandemic in 2021, but also, and a two-pronged question, how excited are you to see Josh Taylor back in action defending the undisputed uh, super lightweight titles, or light welterweight titles, I call it, junior welterweight, uh, against Jack Catterall early next year in Scotland? Well, that uh, fight, uh, you know, practically sold out uh, in 10 minutes, and... uh, uh, it's uh, a massive attraction over in Scotland, and Sky will air it live, and it will be live on ESPN in the United States a little early because of the time difference, a little earlier than usual. Uh, and uh, Josh is one of the great fighters in boxing today, uh, and it'd be great to see him back in the ring. The the um, how great can um, Josh Taylor be? And you know he's talked to me about potential fights with the likes of Teofimo Lopez, uh, with Lopez potentially stepping up to uh, 140 pounds, or even going up to fight Terence Crawford. I mean, they're both in your stable. Um, We'd love to see Josh Taylor against Terence Crawford because we think he matches him. I know many people believe Crawford is the best pound for pound in the world right now, but we would love to see it. Is that a fight you could make in the UK as well? Well, I, I don't see why not. But, of course, let's take one step at a time. Catterall is undefeated. Yeah. Uh, he's a, a very good fighter, and you can't look past the mm. guy like I mean, the titles could be in jeopardy uh, when he fights Catterall. I think it's February 26. Bob, finally, um, how rude a health is boxing in right now, in your view, as we've come out of the pandemic? I know you did an incredible job in the, in the Las Vegas MGM bubble. Um, how healthy do you think the sport is as we finish the year? 
I think it's very healthy, but you have to understand we're not out of the pandemic yet. We have to figure out a way, it looks like, to live with COVID. COVID isn't going away. Everybody's got to get themselves vaccinated. Let me tell you, uh, at the Boxing Writers Association dinner in New York uh, Thursday a week ago, uh, before the Lomachenko fight, uh, one guy came in unvaccinated and apparently gave COVID to a massive group of people, <sighs> almost almost 50 people wow, contacted God. COVID. 20% of the attendants. Wow, that's uh, incredible. But that's the bad part. Mm. The good part is nobody really got sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One day, two day, it's over. Now, remember, you know, uh, I, I've had some research. In 1918, we had the Spanish flu that killed, I think, 50 million people around the world. Uh, and then the vaccinations came and the, and the Spanish flu recite, receded, mm. but it never went away. Mm, mm, and mm. people protect themselves now by getting a flu shot. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have the same thing with COVID. Mm. That nasty little bugger ain't going away. It'll, <laughs> it'll be around for, for generations. Mm. We're going to have to learn to live, with it. to live with it. And the best way to live with it is to get vaccinated, get a booster shot, probably in six to nine months, another booster shot. And if you have a booster shot, it's not going to affect you if you get it. Well, that was Bob Arum. And my thanks to Spencer Oliver for joining us this week on Fight Night. That was the Fight Night podcast. I'm Gareth A. Davis. Hope you enjoy it. We'll see you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.